Are you loving the content of our podcast, Weight Inclusive Innovators, and want to support our work for free? There are three things you can do right now to support the podcast. Number one, leave us a rating and review. The more ratings and reviews we have, the more people who will see our work. Number two, follow our work by connecting with us on Instagram at Weight Inclusive Innovators and sign up for our weekly newsletter. In our newsletter, you'll find business support, news, all kinds of tips for your business, and link to both of these, our Instagram and our newsletter, will be in the show notes of this episode. Number three, tell a friend about our show. Send them episodes you think that would be helpful for them where they're at in their business or that you think they'll enjoy listening to while doing some tedious tasks like the dishes. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight inclusive business. The good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Happy Monday, everybody. Hannah here for a solo episode because Morgan is living her best California dream this week, the end of this week, I guess. I'm excited because I'm doing a topic that I've been thinking about for a while, and it is five business things I wish I would have done sooner in my private practice. But before I dive in, I want to tell you a story. If you've listened to my business stories on the podcast, Morgan and I both have an individual episode where we talk about all the things that have influenced where we are up to date in our businesses. I tell the story there, I think. If I don't, sweet. This might be your first time hearing it, but I have to tell you this story. I remember sitting in class in my dietetics program. We had one lecture that I remember. Somebody can fact check me. If you're from my program and you're listening to this, please fact check me. But we had one lecture on private practice. I can't even tell you what we learned in that class. All I can tell you is I remember feeling so overwhelmed by the idea of having a private practice. And the instant thought was, oh no, I definitely can't do that. I don't want to deal with insurance. I don't want to deal with business. And I'm going to work at a treatment center. Insert the self-limiting beliefs of I'm not enough. I'm too unorganized. I can't do this because X, Y, Z, fill in the blank for whatever you feel. And here I am six years later from that class, running a group practice with a leadership team, helping other people take insurance and build group practices in my consulting biz. And I'm talking about all of this to you on the pod. And I offer that to say, You really can do something if it's important to you and you find the energy, the time, and the grit to do it. So let's dive in. One of the cool things about business podcasts is you get to learn from other people's lessons. You'll notice I intentionally didn't say mistakes because I don't think a lot of things are mistakes. I think 
we have to go through things to learn and to grow and to do better. Sometimes they're expensive mistakes if you call them a mistake. But I say that it is part of the journey. Think about how bizarre it would be in your private practice, whether you're a group or solo or thinking about practice one day, or even if you're thinking about some other business, if everything went smoothly, like it was just a total diagonal up a slope trajectory of goodness and joy. There's no overcoming. There's no hardship. That really just doesn't make sense. That doesn't sound like a business. It sounds like something handed to you on a silver platter. And that's just not how this works. So I've been at this for over four years now, and I've been through so many ups and downs in my practice when I was solo and as a group. And do I have any regrets? I don't. Everything that happened needed to happen, whether it's for a learning experience or an opportunity to practice grit. I'll admit this title about five things I wish I would have done sooner in my business. It's a little bit of clickbait because I truly believe we do things at the pace we need to for so many reasons. A lot of those reasons totally unpack that in therapy, but I'd like to pass along some nuggets of wisdom of things I see happening as I'm doing business coaching with other folks that might give you the push to do something you've been putting off. So number one, I cannot even express how important this is to do as soon as possible in your business. It's mindset shifts. I know it seems like this nebulous concept of what do you mean? What do I change? What am I thinking? But like I alluded to in my brief story that I shared earlier in the pod about my initial thoughts on private practice when I was sitting in the classroom was I had self-limiting beliefs. Those beliefs could have held me back. And maybe they did for a moment. And so I want you to take a minute and just reflect on, if you feel called to take out a piece of paper and write down three self-limiting beliefs that you have right now that you notice are holding you back in your private practice, holding you back from starting a practice or holding you back from even being able to go there. I know a big one a lot of people have is I'm going to do something to get myself in trouble or I'm going to fuck up. TLDR, you're going to fuck up. I've fucked up. I've made very many expensive mistakes, thousand dollar mistakes. And again, reframing mistakes to lessen is a mindset shift. A lot of people struggle with criticism and perfectionism. Those are two big things that I feel go hand in hand that people bring into business. So one thing could look like, I don't know how to do this. And if I don't do it perfectly, what's the point? Or how can I be in private practice when I don't know what to do? I suck. Things like that. Not helpful. So anytime you feel those thoughts come in, taking that mindset shift of whether it's I'm just going to shut down this thought because it's not helpful or challenging that thought. Like we tell our clients, if you're working in a clinical space, self-compassion, curiosity, and openness all apply to business too. And I would argue are missing in some of the like Fortune 100 spaces and like startup culture. And so what I think is cool about being in this therapeutic space and doing weight inclusive business stuff is a lot of us have that natural tendency to reflect, to be curious when we're grounded. Another mindset shift that I see people needing is a growth mindset. A lot of us play on the defense. 
of, okay, I did this thing. I am going to make sure that I keep it where it is. Everything's in check. It's coming from a fear-based place. Instead of, I arrived here. This is awesome. And let me see what else I can do. What do I want to work towards? What's that big, scary goal that I know what it is, but I can't quite get there. A lot of us are afraid to put that thought into action or even to entertain the thought. I'll give you one example, my own example. So I would love to have a treatment center one day. I think that would be awesome. I think that I would be good at giving it direction, vision, and building a place that people want to work. I like to think that I do that at my group practice, but there's something about having like a residential place for people to go to get really excellent treatment that has been really thought out from the, from the building blocks up, I think is cool. Sometimes I have self-limiting beliefs about that, or it's hard to have a growth mindset and that's okay. But I think about it a lot. And when I'm ready to take action, I believe I'll do and receive the coaching that I need in order to make that happen. It's okay if you, in your day job or starting your private practice, if you cannot foresee yourself having a full caseload or building a group or whatever you want to take, whatever direction you want to take. But what I can tell you is other people are doing it. You can do it too. You're not the first one. If you can't quite get there, that's okay. You just have to test and shift. And keeping that open mindset is going to be so important for growth. So number one was mindset shifts. Number two, this is something I wish I would have done sooner. And I'm kicking myself all the time because when I'm working on systems, if you've listened to other episodes, I feel like a lot of my systems could have easily been more efficient by now if I would have written down the steps that I've been taking and putting everything into spreadsheets and to documents and being organized about it. So what this can look like is folders. So, you know, having your resources you use with clients in a folder, having your professional development stuff in a folder, having your billing stuff and reference sheets in a folder and all the things that you needed to get in network with insurance or all the business information you have like EIN, um, NPI, all of that, spreadsheets and folders. The other thing I wish I would have done sooner is using a password management program. If all of your passwords are the same, this is your sign from the universe to change them a little bit just to be protective. Because if somebody finds out one password of yours, they're probably going to be able to get into all of your stuff. And so I am constantly locking myself out of accounts, trying to guess which of my five passwords I used. So a password management system is awesome. The biggest bane of my existence is, which is a lot better over the last couple of years, is organizing billing stuff. Part of that has been there's transitions going on with my biller and trying to sort all that out. But one of the things is I could have been more organized from the start. Part of it is we get so overwhelmed. There's so many moving pieces. It seems like we just need to keep going and just get through the grind and then we'll go back and organize it, right? I highly recommend doing that first and pacing yourself a little bit better. So 
the things I would recommend using for managing spreadsheets, documents, getting yourself organized, flow charts. These are my top four programs that I use now. So I use my Google Drive. If you have a G Suite and you signed a BAA, which is a business associate agreement, everything in your suite is HIPAA compliant. You can store things in your suite that stays within your organization and be HIPAA compliant in your Google Drive. So we use Google Drive. We use Asana, which you've heard Morgan and I talk about if you've listened to other episodes. It's our task management system for getting things organized, executing tasks, being able to reference it later. I now use 1Password, which is a program that manages all of your passwords in a safe, locked space so that you don't have to worry about which password you need to remember or if somebody else is going to find your passwords. And then the last thing that I've recently been using is called Miro, which is a flow chart building program, which I really like for systems and watching production happen. I wish I would have used these four things more efficiently from the start. So learn from me, look into programs that work for you. Don't overwhelm yourself with all the options because there's a bunch. And start kind of tweaking and putting things into place. Number three. Uh, this one is personally attacking to me. Delegation. I wish I would have delegated so many things before I did. Do it as soon as you can afford it. And because I feel like that's one of the biggest things that holds people up is like, oh, I can just do it. I don't want to spend the money to do it. Still a small business. But we can afford more than we think. You have to think about the return on investment over time the time that it frees up for you to do those $1,000 tasks and just giving you the mind space back of someone else has this for me. So the three areas that I always look at with delegation with people is admin team, business team, or clinical team. One of the main conversations I have is around admin stuff. I see you private practice builder or group practice owner who really wants to keep a hand in the inquiries and the outreach, people calling, getting people assigned to the right clinician or making sure they're a good fit for yourself. I hear you in all of that. And how much brain space and time is that taking up for you? Something I like to do or have people do is literally track your time of how much time you're spending doing these things. I know it's not a quote unquote big deal, but having to open your inbox multiple times a day, having to wait to hear back from clients, all of that time is time you could spend growing or supporting your business in a different way. The same thing with billing. If you, especially if you're considering a group practice and like a substantial group practice where you'll have more than just a few clinicians, highly recommend outsourcing billing. I know simple practice and different platforms make it so easy, quote unquote, these days for making sure billing stuff gets done and it's pretty user-friendly. Here's the thing. When you are having hundreds of clients come through your practice every week and you need to checks and balances, things could get missed. It's so helpful to have a whole department that that is their only focus or a position at your practice where that is their only focus. You do not have to hire a full-time biller. It doesn't take that much time to do billing, 
one of the things that can really take up a lot of time is if a claim gets rejected, resubmitting it. If a client needs a new card on file, having to collect that. All of those things can be managed by your biller. I know this is a hard one to let go of. And if it's taking up a lot of your time and you're not getting to tasks and projects and other business that you want to, might be worth delegating sooner than you were expecting to. One that I feel personally attacked by in the clinical space on my clinical team is not having people come into leadership soon enough. For me, it was very much like, this is my practice. I feel like I need to be responsible for everything. Um, Nobody's going to care about this in the same way that I do, which there is some minute truth there, right? A lot of stuff does fall on us when it's our own private practice or group practice. But when you have other people in leadership with you, helping make decisions, bouncing ideas off of, supporting your team, it takes so much pressure off of you. I know that for me has allowed me to separate myself from my group practice. Of This is not my group practice. This is Nourish Colorado. It's its own entity. And that's great. Other people are here. It's their workplace. It's my workplace. It's not people just come to work for me. Also, when you have other people in leadership with you, you feel less alone and you also get more ideas that you could have ever thought of. And so if you've been thinking about bringing somebody into the trenches with you around leadership, growth, all that stuff at your practice, and again, this might just be applicable to group practices. That's okay. Highly recommend taking some of the pressure off and delegating some of that leadership capacity. The last thing that I wish I would have delegated sooner is my business team. This could look like a lawyer, accountant, financial planner. It can be your admin assistant. It can be your business coach, right? Anybody who's helping support your business. I wish I would have delegated those things sooner. I know it feels like you can manage your own money. You'll do taxes at the end of the year. But as you're in these growth phases and there's a lot of different things that you can do in real time to make it easier down the road because you've delegated it to someone, again, freeze up your mind space. Somebody has your back in it. You feel better. It's worth the money. Speaking of money, number four is I wish I would have done better money management sooner. You have to look at your numbers. You have to look at the money coming in and going out. You have to look at percentages that you're paying people. You have to look at what is unnecessary, what can be bartered down, if you call. What are the things going on at your practice with money? You have to know your profit margin. You have to be balancing what is fair and ethical to pay people while making sure your business is healthy and you as the owner are compensated fairly. We all have a complicated relationship with money. To generalize, at the root of it is fear, power, and what we saw other people doing or not doing with money when we were growing up. TLDR, make sure you're talking about money and your relationship with money in therapy. Many folks write a story about what it means to look at your finances and look at your profit, like it's shameful. Like in your business, if you're doing these things, you're money hungry, you're greedy, you're just doing this for X, Y, and Z. 
It's really not. Looking at finances is a key measurable that allows you to see how your business is doing. If you don't have a profit, you will not have a business for long. Money allows you to grow. It allows you to invest. It allows you to employ people, right? We have to be looking at these things and taking care of ourselves around money. I know two big things that I wish I would have done sooner around money management is forecasting and setting goals. So the reason I bring this up is a lot of us want to grow. A lot of us want to figure out how many clients we need to see to be able to make a living that feels good to us. And if we're not setting goals, or if you've listened to other episodes, intentions, that can be hard to see where you're going or what you're working towards. So I separate setting goals slash intentions from forecasting because forecasting is sort of using retroactive data to give you an idea of what you can expect for the future. And so one way of doing forecasting is tracking your KPIs by looking at expenses, by looking at revenue, by looking at the number of clients that came through your practice. I wish I would have done those things sooner. This is really important if you want to grow in an efficient way. It's okay if you don't grow in an efficient way as well. I've been through many chaotic periods in growing my businesses. And one other piece about money management that I wish I would have done sooner and I like to pass off to people. And again, this is a disclaimer. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a financial planner. But as soon as you can go from an LLC to S-Corp, if that is reachable in your state, some states it doesn't make sense to because it's really expensive, I would do it. So S-Corp is kind of the next step from LLC. And it's a company business structure, right? And you get a lot more relief from taxes being an S-Corp. Being an LLC is really expensive. If you're an LLC, putting aside 30 to 35% for taxes is really normal. And so doing an S-Corp can help relieve some of that. Again, talk to your accountant. And number five of things I wish I would have done sooner, or I wish I see other people doing sooner as well, is receiving mentorship and business coaching. One of the most powerful things I've learned from receiving my own business coaching is many of us feel direction all. We name it directionless of like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. I see where I want to go, but I can't quite get there. And I think one of the self-limiting beliefs there is that we're directionless. We don't know what we're doing. When in reality, we actually want to do all the things or being pulled in so many directions, direction awe, and someone who is supporting you in business can help you through that. We have to know where we want to be. We have a hard time getting there. I found that working with someone who's 10 steps ahead of me, doing the things I want to do, and is also still in the trenches with it and hasn't since moved on, can help you gain traction more efficiently. And they really have an understanding of what it's like to go through building a business in real time. That's because they're still in it. And so that's what I love about receiving mentorship and coaching. It allows you to get on that right path for you quicker than just whacking weeds with a machete through the Amazon jungle. There's so many different options for mentorship and coaching. So there's business coaching one-on-one. Probably the most expensive option hourly 
But a lot of people like to have their hands held through business stuff, understandably. I love that myself and I love doing that because it's so tough. There's also group programs that you can do, whether it's like a 12-week program or an ongoing program. That usually makes the cost a little bit cheaper and then you have some community around it as well. There's peer-to-peer support. So you and your friend who's also building a private practice or dabbling in group, you can come together and do it together. That's also a really great low-cost option. And then there's so many free resources out there, like this podcast, like other business podcasts, articles, and just watching the work that other people in the field that are, are doing that you want to be doing. All of these things are either directly or indirectly receiving mentorship and coaching. If this was a sign from the universe to stop delaying a next step in your business, I've done my job. I want you to reflect on what you feel like you need to be doing, but don't want to spend the money for. Actually crunch the numbers and figure out if it's actually feasible objectively. If you feel inclined, shoot us an email and let me know what you wish you would have done sooner if you are someone who's been in business for a while or something you plan on doing sooner than you thought you would if you're kind of just getting started. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators pod. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcast and add us to your queue every week. Please leave us a rating and review and share with a friend to help us reach more weight inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. See you next week.